Well, we are in the book of Daniel this morning. It's been a fun book so far. We'll see how it goes. But we're in uh, Daniel 2.16. And the year is 602 B.C. And we've seen, seen how God has planted four boys who are very talented in the middle of Babylon. And we've been talking about that. 900 miles from their home and family and everything else. And they're, they're there to serve a pagan government uh, for the rest of their lives. They didn't know that, but that's what was happening. And God places them in the highest level of Babylonian education, the highest level of government. And they excel, and they do their very best, and they just keep going and going. And God gives them all kind of knowledge. God gives them all kind of skills. And to, to Daniel, God gave understanding about dreams. And last week we talked about how grumpy the king was. He had this, this terrible dream. It's a dream that disturbed him, and he just was grumpy. This morning I went in, and I, I woke up Grayson as he normally does. He throws a blanket over his head, and he goes, I want mama. And he goes, I want to scare mama. So mom walks in the door, and he goes, boo. You know, he does that every morning. I know. But then she goes, Grayson, did you have a lot of dreams last night? And I was like, no, don't ask him that. And he went into a dream that, that somehow mom, I can tell this because it's not involving me, mom left him at home somehow when he was supposed to be going to school, so he had to walk to school, and he almost got hit by a car. So for the next five to seven minutes, this boy's like, you know, tears coming out the side of his eyes. We're trying to tell him it's just a dream, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, he, you know, he's kind of grumpy about it. Well, you can imagine the king has a dream that's so terrible, and he's ready to kill everyone. So he calls in the experts, and he says, tell me the dream that I have, and tell me what it means. And they say, I'm sorry, king, that is not how it works. You tell us the dream, we give you the interpretation. That's how it works. That's how it's always worked. And he gets so mad, he says, off with their heads. And they're just being honest with him, but he wants to literally cut them into pieces. Now, you remember that Daniel and his three friends are scheduled for, uh, for, for execution now. They just got into this division, and all of a sudden this division is literally being cut. Well, at least their heads are, you know. And Arioch, the executioner, comes and he's knocking on the door. And instead of shaking in their boots and asking for a cigarette, he negotiates. Daniel negotiates. And he is an amazing negotiator because God is on his side. And he gets the executioner to allow him to go to the king. So he talks himself into the throne room where the very order to kill him came from. Now, he can get past Arioch pretty simple. We've seen that, the grace going before him and that happening. But this is amazing. He's going in front of the same king who just ordered his execution. You think the king is in a better mood now? No, he's still in his mood. He's still grumpy, you know? And this is just like the disciples in the book of Acts. You remember Jesus is, is called before the Sanhedrin and, and they condemn him to death and, and they work with the Romans to make sure that he is put up upon a cross. And later, his disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're talking to the very same people that ordered Jesus to his death. The same exact people. There hasn't been a changeover in leadership, and the disciples are standing in front of them, and they're saying, 
We're not going to obey you. We're going to keep preaching about Jesus and what he did and what he's going to do. And this is exactly what Daniel's doing here. He is being so brave. He comes to the king's palace and he says, hey, king, you need to chill out. Okay, he doesn't say it in those words, but that's what he's saying. You're about to kill a lot of good people, including me, and I don't like that. So I tell you what, give me a day, and I'm going to go home. I'm going to get with my buddies. We're going to pray, and we're going to ask God to tell us what your dream was, and I guarantee that I'm going to come back tomorrow, and I'm going to interpret that dream for you. So just calm down. My God's going to do that for me. My God's going to tell me the dream and the interpretation. And the king is like, you know, he's kind of intrigued. He's like, okay, we'll see where this goes. You know, I mean, it's kind of intriguing. So Daniel goes home and he asks his small group to pray a specific prayer. First of all, that God would tell them the dream, because I need to know what they're talking about, right? Tell me the dream, you know? And then that God would give them an accurate interpretation. And they would be able to see and, or live and to be able to see all the beautiful Babylonian sunrises because if they don't, they're going to be dead. So Daniel's three friends who are about 19 to 20 years of age at this point, and they're amazing because they've discovered the power of prayer. And I think this is, uh, you know, I think of all the difficult and the different things that I may have done in dealing with certain challenges in my life, if I would have valued, uh, or if I would have valued prayer more at an earlier age, things would have gone a lot differently. I think I would have done a lot less running around and trying to solve the problems. I wouldn't just go to my house when I was young and and call a prayer meeting and and pray for a while. And yet, this is the biblical model that sometimes we have a tendency to forget about because we're too busy trying to solve the problem. We're running around trying to fix it. Or is that just me? Anybody else? Okay, we got a lot of fixers here. But here's Daniel saying, guys, all we need to do here is pull away and pray to the Lord, and he'll tell us what to do. They're not going to lose anything by doing this. So that's what they do. So they go and they enter into prayer, which proves to us Daniel, you know, and the boys, they believed prayer and they understood prayer. They understood that prayer allows them to, to, to tap into the power of God. Prayer allows them to, to tap into that wisdom of God. It allows them to tap into the knowledge of God. Now, if we actually believe this, I think we'd be doing it more. We would tap into this and we, we use this phrase a lot, tap into it. You know where the word comes from? It's a pub word. You go down to the saloon. They would take the, the tap, the spigot, and they would, they would uh, you know, have, and I grew up Southern Baptist, and this is just wrong for me to even be talking about, okay? You know what I'm saying? But, you know, when I think of tap and, and this, I think of grape juice, right? Yeah, 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 okay. Um, but, but, but the bartender would take this soft mallet and he would slowly take the tap and he would just slowly hit on it and it would slowly split the wood and the tap would slowly go down. Now, if he took a metal mallet and just weld on this thing, what would happen? Well, there's pressure build up on the inside. It would just bust and go everywhere, right? It's a slow tap. We can't use an ax on it. 
And it's weird equating this to God, but I, I think we ought to equate this to, to God's wisdom of, and God's knowledge and his power and his God's plan. We've got to slowly tap into it. We've got to get to know God. We've got to get to know the Holy Spirit. We've got to be praying a lot more and setting right there, you know, in the pub, you know, your microbreweries at home. You have these kegs and kegs of God's wisdom sitting on the shelf, in other words, his word, collecting dust. But instead, we're just freaking out instead of opening it up. You know, we're watching The View to figure out how to solve the problem. Or maybe wondering what time Dr. Oz comes on, you know? Oh, I hope he covers my topic. I need some advice. Can you imagine the angels observing us sometimes? What in the world is Alan doing down there? Come on. But prayer... It allows us to tap into God. And if we really believed it, we would do it more often. And we say, well, I, I believe it. And I go, well, yes, but no. You do believe it, but you're not doing it. And if you believe something, you act upon it. I love the classes. Know what you believe. Isn't that kind of backwards? Shouldn't you already know what you believe and it should be teaching you how to do something with what you believe? You know? But instead, we got to teach you to know what you believe. The classes, I wouldn't go to that. Not know what you believe. I already know what I believe. I, I know what people believe. They believe TV is good for them, right? How did I know that? I watch it. So do you. I believe I can watch for cops and speed. And be able to slow down enough. Why? How do I know that? Because we do that a lot, don't we? <laughs> Maybe it's just me. If you want to know what a person believes, if you want to know their personal doctrine, just watch them. You will see their personal doctrine by how they act. I also believe that when I'm in a bad mood, I can take it out on others, right? We see that all the time with people. How do you know what you believe? You see, not only does, does prayer tap into the power of God, it also taps into the peace of God, which surpasses what? All understanding. It surpasses it. We tap in and we drink enough of the power of God and we start surpassing things in this world, the worries of this world. And the boys in Daniel 2.19 believed in a small group. And you know that they believed in small group prayer because they gathered together and they prayed. We see them doing this. They knew who to call when they entered into an impossible situation. And some of us get into impossible situations. Now, unfortunately, in, a, in America, we're so, in, you know, I can't even say the words. We're all a whole bunch of individuals. How about that? So we isolate ourselves, especially when something is happening. And we try to solve it ourselves. And this is not biblical. It's not New Testament, and it's not Old Testament. What we're supposed to be doing is, is what we're supposed to be believing. And this is where most of us, do not believe it yet, is when we hit a tough situation, we call on the two or three friends, um, most likely, and it really needs to be this, two or three friends of the same sex, and you confide in them. You open up to them. You open up and say, this is what's grieving me. This is what is, is bothering me. This is the situation. 
And these are people that you've laughed with, these are people you've cried with, and these are people that you know. And one of the most unhealthy things about the church today is that we don't believe this enough yet. We say we believe it, but we don't act upon it. We all should be saying, this is a small group that I like, that when I have troubles, this is who I call. We should all be able to say, I have friends that are like this. Where you're actually getting to know each other behind, you know, beyond the, hi, how, oh man, it, man, these, you know, the air out there is just bad, isn't it? We could all talk about that all day long, right? We need to be with each other talking about Jesus. Because Jesus is the problem solver. Not Alan, not you, not your friends. Jesus is the problem solver. And we get together and, and we start praying. So let me ask you this. In your mind, do you actually believe what I just said? Do you believe where it says that where two or three are gathered in my name that I join them? Do you believe that? Okay. Then how come some of you have been saying for months, how come I feel so far from God? This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where you need to get together with friends and say, I feel, so, I feel so far from God, and you start praying about it. And they start helping you back on the right path. So let's take it, and let's, let's travel from our head, where we say we believe, to our heart, where we put our feet on the pavement and do what we say we believe. Because Jesus becomes more meaningful in your life when you do those things. Now, if a person says, I, I do believe this, but I'm just too busy, then what the person is saying is, I believe in busyness. Busyness becomes their religion. We can all get busy. Believe me, we can all get busy. They say, I believe in busyness more than I believe in prayer when you act like this. We can learn something from Islam. What? Yeah, they stop five times a day and pray to their so-called God, which we know is not a true God, but they stop and they pray. When's the last time you stopped and prayed five times a day to your one true God, the God of this universe? It'd be good for us to be praying more often. Okay, well, I haven't really gotten to the word. I need to. Uh, you know, these guys believed and they lived it out in their lives. So we could read their story 2,600 years later and, and, and tell what they believed and what they didn't believe by what is written down about their actions. So their life is obvious to those around them what they truly believed. And if I was the devil, the strategy that I would use against me is to keep me from developing that relationship, keep me from praying to God. Does the devil use that strategy against you also? Keeps you from communicating with God? Keeps you from communicating with each other? It's very simple. I think the devil doesn't have to do major things. I think the devil just needs to keep us busy. Because if we're busy, we don't have time to think about God. Okay, Daniel 2.18 says, He urged them to plead for mercy from, God, from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed. <laughs> that's, that's good. With the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. So God gave Daniel a vision 
where God told him the details of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, as well as the interpretation. And the scripture is very clear here. The interpretation is very clear. It was revealed to Daniel. It does not say that Daniel went with his own theories and thoughts and opinions, and that God said, okay, yeah, 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 number four. Number four, your thought number four, that I, I confirm that one. It doesn't say that. It says that God gave it to him. The scripture does not say that Daniel worked on it until 2 a.m. It says that God gave it to him. The scripture says that Daniel put his head on the pillow that night, not having a clue. Have you ever been there? Put your head on the pillow, not having a clue? In the exhaustion of trying to solve the problem, not having a clue what to do, and during the night, God gives you the complete solution? This is what he does for Daniel. So he woke up and he had it. And as I read this, I thought, man, I wish I could do this at night. I could wish I could lay my head on the pillow and say, God, these are the things that I can't solve. Can you help me out? But you know what? We can do that. We can What's preventing us? Our exhaustion? Our feeling that maybe God doesn't answer? What is stopping you? It'd be nice to go to bed knowing that he will solve a problem. See, the Lord spoke back to me when I thought that and said, yeah, it'd be nice if you were a little more like Daniel, Alan. Ouch. Okay, Lord, okay, wait a minute. I am a lot like him. And I wish I could just hear the Lord laughing, you know? You see, the Lord doesn't just show up in, in chapter 2, verse 19 and solve the problem. The Lord showed up in Daniel 1. The Lord showed up in Daniel 2. He showed up before we got to the story. The Lord's been a part of his life all these years. And we've known Daniel for three years before this happened. And what has he done so far? Well, at 15 years of age, he excelled in Jerusalem to the point where the Babylonians picked him and said, you're going to go on an amazing trip. And they plucked him out of his home. So he went to Babylon. He learned a new language. And he excels. And he gets this really cool job upon graduation. And he also has got, you know, he's built great relations, relationships with other like-minded guys. So these guys in Daniel 2.19 are way more mature than in Daniel 1.1. See, it just took us five weeks to get here. That was three years for them. So what they've been doing is, is keeping their part clear of distractions. Even though they're learning all this stuff that has nothing to do with what they truly believe, they're keeping it clear of distractions. They know what they believe, and they know where they stand. And now, all of a sudden, it's way more important than it was before. It's like a satellite dish pointed in the right direction. You have a satellite dish, you're getting the, you're getting the signal, right? You're not getting snow. What happens if that satellite gets dish, you know, storm comes along and, and knocks that satellite dish a different direction? It's not going to find it. Now, we, you know, the Lord has, has provided for us. We, we were lucky. We have an RV that we go out and take on, on uh, trips and stuff. Our family go camping and all that. And I got a little satellite dish on top, okay? I pull in. It's really nice. It used to be I pulled in and had to pull out all the stuff out of the trailer, out of the truck, and uh, I'm beyond sleeping on the ground. You know what I'm saying? 
So now I pull in, I push a button, the RV kind of levels, and I get it all out, and I push another button, and the satellite dish, you know, pops up and starts going, and it spends all this time trying to find the right satellites. And what happens if there's a tree in the way? The thing just keeps spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning, and finally I'm like, well, no TV on this trip, and we hit the button, which is probably better anyway. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But what's interesting is, when we're pointed in the right direction, we get God's signal. When there's something blocking that signal, or it's been knocked off, or a storm has come along, it just keeps spinning and spinning and spinning because we're not pointed in the right direction. Are you pointed in the right direction? Have you maintained your prayer life? Have you started a prayer life? Start out simple. Lord, I just want to hear from you. Show yourself to me this week. Now you have to pay attention because God may, you know, it's not like all of a sudden the, the shining light just appears and the, oh, the angel, okay, I'm not going to sing, but you know, the angel starts singing and you're like, oh, that must be God. You know, he does it in such subtle ways. He's like, I've been showing myself to you all along and you just haven't been paying attention. God, help me pay attention to, to your ways and your things. You know, sometimes we read scriptures like this and we say, man, I wish God would answer me like that. I think God would read the Daniel story and say, man, I miss. I wish there were more people like Daniel so I could communicate with them. Our problem is that we want to fix ourselves instead of calling on the Lord our God, to fix us. Now, every year in October, we have the parade that goes by. So if you hear the noise, that's what it is. Uh, there's a parade that goes by. So that's what you're hearing with the drums. But we need to call on our Lord to fix our things before, uh, you know, but before we do that all the time, we just need to go to him and say hello. So the question is, are you pointed in the right direction? Verse 19 during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel rushed into the throne room uh, to tell the king to wake up. And then Daniel ran to his friends to brag about what he did, right? No. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be the name of our God, or of God forever and ever. Wisdom and, his pow and power are his. He changes times and seasons he sets up kings and he disposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we, what we ask of you. You have made known to us the dream of our king. This is what Daniel did right after God solved the problem for him. I think this is the last thing that most of us would do in this moment, don't you? <laughs> I think we would have been up and running around telling the king and everybody else who would listen instead of sitting down and writing God a psalm. I mean, the impatient king is waiting. He's probably not getting any sleep. He's pretty grumpy. Arioch is out sharpening his axes. 
His friends have been up and and they've been praying. I would at least go one of those two directions, either to the king or to my friends. But what Daniel did was not get together with his friends or go to the king. He praises the real king, the God of this universe. And says, I love you so much right now, I can't stand it. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write you a song. So let me ask you a question that God asked me this week. Alan, what do you do right after I come through for you? That's a good question. What do you do when God solves a problem? Hmm. I don't know. Sometimes I can't remember. He goes, exactly. I solve your problem. I've come through to solve it. I do it more times than you even really realize. And even the times that you do know about it, you dive right into the solution instead of praising me. Hmm. You know, there's other times when I beg for a solution from God. And he's already shown me what I should be doing. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't like that answer, God. I, I, I like this answer. I want this answer. Can you give me this answer? And God's like, no, I've already given you the answer. Go with it. But I don't like that one. You know, sometimes he's like, Alan, didn't you ask me to speak with you? Yes, Lord, but I told you what to say back to me. Hmm. It works better that way, doesn't it? And he says, Alan, you know what you've done the other times? And I'm like, you know, at this point, I'm just like, okay, what, Lord? You know, kind of doing the whole child roll my eyes thing, you know, and God tolerates it. He says, sometimes the answer has come, and you've quickly forgotten who gave you the answer. And you've gone out and shared how smart you are. And he says, when you do that, you take my glory. You see, our lives are about God's glory, not our own glory. The things that we do, how we serve the community, how we serve each other, it's for God's glory. Not so I can walk around going, great job, Alan. Hey, guys, come pat my back. No, I take God's glory when I do that. Read any book of the Bible, and you'll see what happens when you take God's glory. Ouch. Doesn't end well when you take God's glory. And God's going, you do it all the time. And half the time, you're not very good at it either, you know? And I go, I take your glory? And he goes, yes. Then why do you leave me in the position I'm in? Or why do you leave us in, in certain places? And he goes, because I'm gracious. I'm gracious. And Gabriel and the angels are up there again, shaking their head. Oh. Man, do you know how I can tell if you're a Babylonian? You constantly talk about yourself. And when you're done with that subject, you talk about something that's related to you. And you never ask another person about themselves. The entire goal is how awesome you are. Don't be a Babylonian. I think this week we ought to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God 
So just possibly, just possibly, even though we're, we're, it seems like we're hanging on the edge, that we would somehow allow the Spirit to come and repair us so we can be pointed in the right direction so God can get his glory. And when God tries to convict us, we don't ignore him. We don't come up with an excuse. Or God says, go over there, and this is what I want you to do. We actually go over there, and we do what God wants us to do. Or if God says, hey, just do this, we don't automatically go, huh? Why? We just actually do it. And then, not after the crisis crisis passed... You know, while we're still in the full swing of things, we stop and we write God a song about how amazing he is that we can't believe that he solved this problem that we're going through. You see, the thing about Daniel that amazes me even more is that I have to learn what to, you know, uh, what to do after a crisis so I can be more like Daniel. And God says, that won't make you more like Daniel. And I'm like, wait, 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 what will? And God says, Alan, write the song before the crisis happens. Start praising me now. Start thinking me now. Tell me how awesome I am before you go into that meeting, before the crisis starts. And this is what the song should sound like. Starting in verse 20. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. You see, God holds the patent on wisdom and power. It's something that belongs to him. It doesn't belong to me. They're his. The fact that he allows me access to his patent and his copyrighted wisdom, his copyrighted and his, you know, the proprietary, you know, right of power here, the fact that he allows me access to this to mean that that I have this really cool access code that I can just tap into and, and I can use his wisdom and his power, but I need to make sure to give him the glory. Anytime somebody tries to give me the credit, what should automatically come out of our mouth? I didn't do that. I didn't accomplish that. And you go, how well do you know me? You know I didn't do that. Praise be the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. If the season changes, God did it. Did we do anything to turn summer into fall? No. That's all God. If the air changes, God did it. He sets up kings and he disposes them. The scary king of the country I live in, guess what? God is not scared of him. He will remove him when he wants to and he will raise up somebody else when he wants to and he will put him into that position because God has more power and does not fear any earthly ruler. And we're all thinking United States, but think of all the terrible rulers around this world. God can take them out at a moment's notice. Verse 22, uh, or, or before that, verse 21, he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. So if you're truly earthly wise or discerning, if you're looking smart, 
It's because God gave it to you. And you should be happy that God gave it to you. Verse 22, he reveals deep and hidden things. So not only do I look smart, he reveals things to me that I don't even have, that others don't even have a clue about. He knows what lies in darkness. You know, we can get over this, oh no, I live in Babylon. I live in a terrible world. It's worse. Guess what? As Solomon says, there's nothing new under the sun. Sin is sin. Darkness is darkness. Light is light. And it says here, because light dwells with him. So if you're in darkness, go to God, because the light dwells with him. So whatever is light to me or dark to me, it's not dark to him. If I want to get out of the darkness, I just run to him, and he moves through the darkness towards me. He doesn't stay in one place and say, okay, hurry up, Alan, come on, come on. Now, if my kid is screaming in the house, and if it's dark at night, do I just say, hey, hey, get out of bed. Come on, come on, come in here. No, if my kid starts screaming at night, I go to him, right? That's what our God does. He moves toward us. Verse 23, I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. See, God is not a new God. God is the God of our fathers. It's not like he says, oh, I, or we, we go, oh, I didn't like that God that my family taught me. I invented another one. We can't do that. I took all the religions together and I, I made a nice God. No. Your God is only as big as your brain if you've done that. And my God is bigger than that. Oh God of my fathers, you have given me wisdom and power. You've made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to me uh, or known to us the dream of the king. So before I take this to the king, Daniel's thinking, before everyone starts to think I'm the best, and before I'm going to blow everybody's sandals off with a great presentation, honestly, God, you told me the dream. You told me interpretation. I know where it comes from, and this is going to be fun because you're going to get the glory. I'm going to go into act one, and the king is going to be like, wow, and then I'm going to tell him, I've not done any of this because you gave me the interpretation. And he's going to give me a promotion. I'm going to say, thank you. But you know what? I'm not doing this. And before I even tell you the dream, I'm going to tell the king where this knowledge came from, that I got it from you. And I'm even going to keep a, a little bit, of, you know, hanging a little bit because I want to be clear on this thing. The knowledge did not come from the years of your ridiculous classes that you've taught me that I had to sit through, that I passed with, with flying colors, by the way. The knowledge did not come from me, you know, uh, come to me because you rescued me from Jerusalem. It did not come to me because you brought me to this civilization, the knowledge came to me from the God of my fathers who we worship back in Jerusalem and one day will be worshiped by you. And this is what is so ironic is that the king likes the dream, even though the giant in the dream ends up being a great destruction. 
And you will like what the, you know, the dream because, because, you know, the head is gold. You know, he's sitting there talking to the king. We'll get into it next week, but he's basically saying the head's gold and that's you. And you're going to love this. And the king's going to be like, you know, I got a good ego. You know, of course my head, of course I'm the head and of course I'm gold, you know. But Daniel says, I don't have anything to do with this because God's the one that gave it to me. So I'm out of time, but let me end with this. I don't want you walking away feeling like it's impossible. We are slow to learn. We have all these distractions. I tell you, distractions, they're right. Oh, it's on this side right now. Usually it's on this side, right here. We have all the distractions in the world. Comes in on our TVs, computers, our phones, everything else. We're slow to learn, and God knows that. He even said to his own disciples, John, think about this, John, who, (laughs) the apostle John, you are slow to learn, my friend. So there's hope for us, right? But we need to be willing to pray. We need to be willing to listen. We need to be willing to learn. We need to be willing to open ourselves up to each other. And then we need to be willing to put these things in action in our daily basis, like Daniel and his friends did. They just didn't all of a sudden end up in the spot and go, we don't know what to do, God. They knew exactly what to do, and that was to go to God because they'd been doing it over time. Let's start this process of doing it over time. And I guarantee you, if you did this three years from now, you'd be a more mature Christian than you are right now. Every one of us would be. That's our goal, to mature in the faith where God gets the glory. Amen? Amen. Well, why don't you stand and the worship team will come up and lead us out with a song as we pray. Lord, we thank you for examples of the Bible or in the Bible, historical figures that have gone before us. We see all sorts of historical figures that have, that have really messed things up. But here you show someone who has done things well. And I thank you for that example. And I pray that that we can look at that example and implement some of those things into our our life on a daily basis. That when we will come to you, you respond. I pray that you can help build us up each and every day. That three years from now, we would all be much more mature than we are right now. I pray that you encourage us this week, this month the next three years, that you be an encouragement. Your Holy Spirit keeps pushing us along towards you so that when problems arise in our life, we know where to go. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you. And may he bless you, overwhelmingly bless you when you go to him with your problems. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.